Coming up, readings beyond the raffle and Theoryland approved conjecture. Deep dive into the spells and scrolls of nerd culture. Absorb Stormlight. Home sympathy. Harness Sayadar and Sayadeen. This is Phantology. You may have heard of us. What's up, Roshar? We see you out there. This is Stephen, Josh, and Ben from Phantology with the necessary, the necessary information you're going to need for Rhythm of War. This is our Rhythm of War hype slash primer episode. We are not going to do any spoilers for Dawn Shard, nor are we going to be talking about any of the pre-release Rhythm of War chapters that wrapped up today. If you want those reviews, you can find those elsewhere. Phantology might have covered them. Anyway, uh, we're pumped for this episode. This episode, we're going to talk about characters. We're going to talk about Roshar itself. We're going to talk about Heralds. We're going to talk about Knight's Radiance. We're going to talk about the history of everything that's going on. We're going to talk about the flora and fauna of the planet. And we're going to do all of this in a timely manner, hopefully. And then after reading this, after listening to this, you'll be able to confidently go into Words of Radiance. So, Ben, give us a fact about the series up to this point i think you have a page count yes so up to this point including edge dancer we are sitting right at 3612 pages um, that's a few. That we are that we are attempting to condense and summarize for our beloved listeners that would be like trying to condense three bibles for people out there that read the bible so there is a lot of information that we are going to try and get through and we're trying to make it as accessible as possible. But forgive us if we glance over a detail that you thought was necessary or we are a bit long-winded because this is a big task. Yeah, to say the least. And we're going to review Oathbringer ASAP. The goal is to get that out before before Rhythm of War comes out. There's a chance that I call the book Words of Radiance because sometimes a little dyslexic with, those, uh, with the R's and W's. Uh, we are talking about Rhythm of War. So before we start, shout out to Phantology, who's now coming up on a year. So Phantology is about one year old. So happy birthday, guys. Yeah, I, I've, I've loved this. This has been like a really big, I don't know about life accomplishment. We haven't like made it huge, but this is kind of the first time I've started a hobby and continued with it for like a long period it. of time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I guess I have hobbies like i I play sports every week and I jog and stuff, but like I, this is like the first time I've committed a decent amount of time to something and kept it going for a long amount of time. So yeah. Yeah. Anyone who's personally familiar with us will know that our friend group likes to throw ideas out there and we think, <laughs> Oh, how fun it would, would it be to start a business and to, you know, move forward on all of these ideas. And we actually did this one. So props to us one year. Yeah, and I think, Stephen, you deserve a special shout out because you have edited every episode for us and organized us all. I think you've read every book that we've done. So, I mean, special shout out to Stephen, too, here, because that's that's a big accomplishment. This would have never happened without you. Yeah, yeah, sure. thank you. Jo- Josh did edit one, but uh, thank you oh. for anointing <laughs> me as the biggest nerd of Phantology. <laughs> <laughs> yep. and, 
and I guess thank you to all of our patrons out there and to everybody on the Discord. I mean, I think we've made some real friends with this. I mean, we have 150 people on our Discord now, close to, and yeah. So if you're listening out there, and just thank you. And we've had people on on our Discord and in our community do a lot of work for the podcast. So it's just been great. Yeah, it's been cool to make some actual relationships purely on a hobby over the internet. Who would have thought? Yeah. So if you like Phantology, you can actually find more of us on our website, www.phantologybooks.com. Full catalog of all our episodes out there. And if you want to support the channel, like Ben mentioned, we do have a Patreon. That is at patreon.com slash phantology underscore books. And if you want to talk with us, join our Discord. Invites are on our social uh, media postings. And uh, that's a good time, as you were just saying. Okay, so now let's get started. Let's actually get started with the episode, now that we're five minutes in. So characters, we're not going to do a whole lot on characters. We want this to be more like an overview of the series, but obviously characters are at the forefront. So let's just talk about where these guys stand after the events of Oathbringer and what we might be looking forward seeing them do in Words of Radiance. Rhythm of War. War. See, I told you I was going to do that. (laughs) (laughs) so everyone's favorite yeah josh yeah yeah i think we're starting in the same place everyone's uh favorite shall we say uh moper in chief or uh brooding brooding man yeah our brooding fantasy pro tag every book's gotta have one so kaladin starts off as a slave works his way up through um a war camp running bridges where he, uh, he is directly in harm's way protects those that can't protect themselves and works to uh, just bring everyone he's around up and out of misery and slowly ascends out of that. And just something you mentioned there, I mean, running bridges, like one thing about the series that I love is just how unique and imaginative it is. I mean, he he's in charge of a group of slaves that runs a bridge across a plane uh, that, that has been broken and there's all these chasms everywhere like where have you seen that ever before other than this series but i mean we can imagine it so well just after reading these few books yeah it seems like an actual military tactic that like is in the world you know yeah it seems like we should be reading about like romans using bridge runners as well but for some reason history does not tell us about that (laughs) and i think also it's important to mention uh, to get a high level view of kaladin's character that he, at his root, is has a dichotomy of a surgeon who's also a trained warrior. His father tried to raise him as a surgeon and tried to instill in him a hatred of violence. And his desire to protect his younger brother, um, who was recruited to a war, led him to become a warrior. And then at the end of Oathbringer, he has, I mean, skip forward a little bit. He's joined the Knights Radiant. He's a Windrunner. He can stick people to walls and fly through the sky. And at the end of Oathbringer, he has almost sworn the fourth ideal, which we believe would give him access to Shardplate, right? I mean, that's pretty much confirmed. Theory Land would confirm it. At least he has failed to do that. He fought against Amaram. Rock, his compatriot, was able to get the kill there with the Shardbow. And then now his current status just kind of like depressed trying to figure out where he's going forward and honestly if you want to know like Calvin's character i mean not much change from him and uh way of or words of radiance and oathbringer 
most of Kaladin's character came in the first book, and he's just kind of like slowly, incrementally like risen in the next two. So if you don't remember everything about Kaladin's character in Words of Radiance and Oathbringer, but you remember Way of Kings really well, you're in a pretty good spot for for Rhythm of War, I think. Yeah. And one big theme of the series is mental health, and all of our characters kind of have different issues that are very well realized. Sanderson does a great job with this. Kaladin really struggles with depression and PTSD from his uh, you know, failure to save his brother and others in his life. And that is obviously a huge part of who he is. And it's something that I think you know a lot of people can relate to. Depression strikes a lot of people. And I think that's one reason why Kaladin is so beloved. So next, this is honestly, I think my favorite character, which I'm going to get probably just as roasted for this as I do for my love of Elaine in The Wheel of Time. But I really, really like Shallan. <laughs> <laughs> and I think she's a great character. So Shallan starts off as a, a an apprentice. No, apprentice isn't the word I'm looking for. She's she's trying to get a wardship from yeah yeah Yasna. a war yeah yeah she's trying to earn a ward wardship from the biggest scholar in the land Yasna, who we'll probably talk a little bit about a little bit later. She comes from a family that's kind of down on their luck and needs to get some wealth back and she deals throughout the series with split personalities where she kind of has three distinct personalities um, that show themselves in Oathbringer. She has Radiant who trains with the shard blade and who is kind of like a typical noble, you could say she has Vale, who is more of the underworld, you know, like knows how to deceive and, lie to people and spy and do all that kind of stuff. And then you have just Shalon's like base personality, who's the scholar and the witty kind of bantery type person. And we should also note that Shalon's main love interest is Adolin and they, they are very close, but Vale has eyes for Calvin sometimes. <laughs> I mean, when you say very close, Shalon and Adolin do get married. At the end of Oathbringer, there's a little bit of a love triangle here going on through the ends of Words of Radiance and Oathbringer. But uh, it seems like Shallan has chosen Adolin at this point. I guess there's potential for this to be shaken up, but uh, I, I, I don't think I really expect that. Yeah, I don't think so either. I mean, there's only two bucks left in this first arc. So yeah, I don't think there's going to be much change with that. Honestly, Shallan peaked for me. When she was in Carbranth buying the books with Yalb. <laughs> Yalb is, is a legend. So, I mean, there's also always the chance that they explore like a little polyamorous relationship, like uh, another fantasy series that, that Sanderson finished off. No spoilers for that, but. <laughs> oh, yeah, I wonder what series that is. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of doubt it, man. Yeah, probably not. I don't know. I don't think there's much of an appetite for that in 2020. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. Okay, so is that everything we know need to know about Shallan? Or yeah, Shallan? yeah, the, yeah. Not Shallan. It it is indeed Shallan. <laughs> Shallan. Yeah, I I think let's move on to Dalinar. Dalinar is the big focus of Oathbringer. I think through the first two books, if you had only read the first two books and then you hadn't read Oathbringer and you picked up Rhythm of War, you might be a little confused about like what the heck happened to Dalinar because Oathbringer was his book of flashbacks. Maybe that's another thing we should mention. Each book is a series of flashbacks about one character. 
we really explore Dalinar's character in Oathbringer. And I think that's one of the highlights of the series for me, seeing who he used to be and then seeing who he is now, you know, totally disconnected. But at the same time, you can totally follow the path that, that it took him here. Yeah. So the big event in Oathbringer that uh, we learned and that Dalinar had gone to the Night Watcher to remove his boon was that the Night Watcher um, removed any any recollection of this was him accidentally killing his wife. And he did that because he did not know that she had been taken prisoner and kind of held in this room that he assumed uh, that the, I don't, I don't know his name, but he was the leader of this uh, rebellious force that had, that had wronged Eleanor. So he accidentally killed his wife there. Yeah, at the rift. And when you say accidentally, I mean, yeah, he didn't mean to kill her, but he also burned an entire city yeah. to the ground. Probably not a behavior we should encourage. So he is justifiably feeling pretty bad about this to the point where he becomes a drunkard and basically useless after this happens until he uh, you know, has some things that, that set him on, on a course. And part of that is getting his memories of this event removed. When it comes back to him at Oathbringer, he breaks down, has a little bit of a relapse, and then is able to get things straightened out just in time for the final climactic showdown against Odium. And honestly, just recapping Oathbringer, I was so hyped for those moments and like emotionally moved. Like I remember, man, when he, you know, talks about the next step that a man can take and he says, yeah. I am unity and all that, and he and he doesn't accept I, well, he accepts the pain of what's happened and he doesn't let Odium take it. Dude, That's some really good stuff. Yeah. Oh my gosh, you can't have my pain. That's like an... Yeah, it's moving. Yeah. It's moving. And and sorry, I kind of want to... I want to talk about that more, but we also need to mention, I think, associated with Dalinar, the thrill. That was a really big part of the first couple books and how that is like an influence of Odium that we come to find out. Um, so if you remember kind of reading about the thrill and, and that whole thing, I think Dalinar best represents how Odium is able to kind of slowly wiggle in, even if you're not like intentionally inviting him. Yeah, and and it's an influence of Odium through the Unmade. The Unmade are the spren of Odium that we get a lot more details about in Oathbringer. But Dalinar captures this Unmade in this perfectly formed ruby. I think the King's Drop is yeah. what it's called. That that's really kind of what happens at the climax there. And that was really good because it was hinted the whole time, like the thrill. You know, there's something going on here with the thrill. It seems really interesting. And it's like empowering people in a weird way. And then finally, you realize like it's actually not just a natural thing that people embrace. It's this influence of odium. That was yeah. really good. That was super good. I, that's kind of a theme that things that you accept as as just minor parts of the world end up playing and being large pieces of this puzzle yes. that, that you that you're figuring out. So and that our characters are figuring out. So that was really well done. Yeah, Brandon's really good at uh, pulling the wool over your eyes, getting you to accept something, and they're like, actually, yeah, that's not the case. And it's also the big reveal for what we need to do uh, here in in these huge moments. Um, That's not going to happen to me this time. I'm going to be able to (laughs) read Rhythm of War and pick up on all of those things. So We've made a lot of guarantees here. I I do want to say real quick about Dalinar, is I think a lot of authors go for redemption arcs where they take a character you don't like that does something terrible at the beginning and slowly redeem them. Right. Whereas Dalinar, it's almost kind of the opposite. You take a character that's probably the most noble and that you love and like has been 
doing good for the entire series and then like uh-huh. do your best to tear him down to the point where like he doesn't feel like you know to where he needs his own redemption arc after he's i don't know it was just really cool what he did with that character oh yeah i agree okay so those have been the main three thus far uh there's a bunch i mean there's a ton of minor characters here let's just talk about where these guys are at at the end of oathbringer so navani at the end of oathbringer well at the beginning they got married navani dalinar got married uh navani is really i mean in my mind she's notable because of the scientific and technological advancements that she represents including some things that we've seen already in the preview chapters of rhythm of war we're not going to talk about those things but as far as a character for me like Navani's a good character, but at the same time, we haven't really seen too much of her. She hasn't really had much of an arc yet. She hasn't, but she brings out the best in Dalinar, for sure. I think she completes Dalinar, and seeing how she's also like one of our few windows into Gavilar. So that's kind of one purpose that she serves. Yeah, yeah. Okay, what's what's their next character, Steven? Let's talk some more Colin family. So we have Renarin. Renarin had a pretty big reveal at the end of Words of Radiance when we realized that he was a Knight's Radiant and he was a Truth Watcher. And then another reveal at the end of Oathbringer when it was revealed that his spren was actually corrupted by an unmade uh, Ja'anat. Probably pronouncing that wrong. Yeah, there was this kind of tense scene where it seemed like Yasna might kill him, but fortunately that didn't happen. However, we don't really know what's going on with this corrupted spren and what exactly this means for Renarin. He seems to have some unique abilities. And he seems to have maybe been one of the first people to have bonded a spren, right? Because like we can assume that his... Well, I don't know, actually. Do we assume that the, some of the reasons why he's always been a little bit off has been because he bonded a spren as a child? I know that's why we assume um, Shalon has always been like a little different possibly i i didn't take it that way but i suppose it could be okay interesting yeah and so i guess that leads us right into yasna who is i think at the end of oathbringer very overpowered i mean she's just like running through the city like i don't know unstoppable right like she has her powers you know but i think a lot of that is because dalinar had opened up a perpendicularity which gave her like unfettered access to Shadesmire. I don't, like, there's some technical yes. reason why that gave her a lot more power that I don't fully understand. I mean, it powered up everyone, but as an else caller, she can reach directly into Shadesmire. And so opening up a perpendicularity was probably, I, I guess we take it to be even more helpful for her. But yeah, she was kicking butt and taking names at the end. Uh, we haven't seen a ton from Yasna. One thing we know about her is that, like there was something wrong with her as a child like she had some kind of lunacy or insanity and apparently she's gotten over that we have like zero details it's just been a couple mentioned a couple times and then she's the queen now as well queen of kolinar that's true okay like it moving right along through these characters adolin we mentioned him married to shallan he's got a sword that well he's he's got a shard blade (laughs) um, that he has a little bit more of a connection to because when they were in shadesmar he gave it a name and it appears as a dead eye there, which is essentially a dead spren, which we know is what a shard blade really is. Man, there's a lot of details in this series. But uh, maybe that's one thing we're looking for in Rhythm of War to see what happens there. Yeah, it's like heavily hinted that Mara is like not completely dead, right? 
and that she ha- is going to something. Yeah. I feel like it's going to be the conduit of which we find out something pretty major about right. the breaking of the oath pact and about like the meaning of dad's friend, if they're actually dead or if they're, you know, right, right, right. That could be, that's a, good, that's a cool prediction. It also like gives Adolin a chance to be cool again, right? Like Adolin, he's kind of being left behind, right? Everyone so, else can glow and he can't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, he needs something to to take him to the next level here. And and to mention Aelin, we should mention that he did kill uh, Sadius at the yeah. end of uh, Rhythm of uh, Sorry Words of Radiance. He stabbed him in the eye, and that was one thing that we all were kind of bummed about that Oathbringer never really like. Yes. I mean, it was just kind of weird how it kind of got tied up into another mystery with an unmade. And so he's moved on from that, though. And everybody kind of knows what he did now. Yeah, we can probably talk more about that criticism in our Oathbringer review. But that that was a little strange. Maybe there'll be more coming out for that still. But it seems like that that's kind of like you say, he has moved on from that. If he did become a Knight's Radiant, Mara, I believe, is a cultivation sprint. So he would be another edge dancer. But honestly, I don't think everyone can have powers, right? You got to have some people on the ground a little bit. So I'm fine with them not being radiant. I don't think he needs to be a nice radiant. I just think that this relationship with a sword could prompt new information into the mm. magic the system that proves okay. useful for okay. our characters. Yeah. Okay, Zeth. He was the assassin in white. If you, it's been a while. Zeth has been through a lot. Yeah, and we haven't even seen him that much on page, which is interesting. I, I think that's one that we all want more of. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we saw him on page quite a bit in the in Way of Kings, but it was always doing the same thing. He was just always killing people that he didn't want to be killing. And so, right. a little bit more about Seth. He uh, was temporarily killed or beaten by Kaladin at the end of um, Words of Radiance, and he was brought back by. No, right, right. That kind of brought him back to life. Yeah, yeah. Our herald there, patron yeah. of the skybreakers. Yeah, yeah. So he became a skybreaker, and at the end of Oathbringer, he swore to follow Dalinar. Like that's who sets kind of his course. Yeah, I the skybreakers have different ideals, and he swore to follow Dalinar. He had a great moment where he came in and cut a thunderclast in half, and he's going to get access to the surge of division now, which we haven't seen. Hardly at all. Apparently, uh, Nail or Nal is going to teach him this. I think Brandon has said that Zeth is not in this book a whole lot, unfortunately. Yeah. Sorry. I guess we're waiting for book five. So a, a few other things is that Seth became truthless because he was saying that the Radiants were returning, correct? So that, that, that's one thing that prompted him to kind of forsake his belief system was that he found out that the Knights Radiant had, they had come back. Yeah. Yeah. So, so he was the whole thing where like the stone was making him kill people and uh, a Taravangian was holding it. That, that all kind of went by the wayside once he realized the Knights Radiant were back. Yeah. He, he's a great character. I, I guess we're just not going to get a ton of him in this book. All right. And, and next book, book five, right? Is Seth's book. So yeah, we should get yeah. a lot of him there. And we should yeah, also just, a, just a few years away. That the this, this sword he was using, oh, well, it's a, it's one of the... Honor blade? Yeah, it's an honor blade, blade that he was using. So he, uh, in and of himself, when he was the Assassin of White, he wasn't a Knight's Radiant, but he was given the access to the same powers that right. Wendell would have. 
and okay. he now has Nightblood of Warbreaker Infamy talks to him. Yeah. It's a fun sword. Yeah, almost kills him at the end of Oathbringer. All right, uh, we can briefly talk about Wit slash Hoid. Hoid, if you're a Cosmere fan, you know appears in all of the different, all of the different Cosmere books. And in this one, he's taken a much larger role. He seems to be directly opposing Odium. This is one of our windows into the larger Realmactic conflict. And at the end of Oathbringer, Hoid, Wit has picked up Elokar. Elokar died, by the way, in Oathbringer. Well, I should him. Yeah. Yeah, mo- yeah, right, right. Who's a member of Bridge 4 and Kaladin's kind of best friend. Okay, anyway, we're, we'll get to him. Continue your thoughts, Steven. Yeah, so then Wit has picked up Elokar's cryptic spren. So Elokar would have become a Lightweaver. Wit picks up the spren, so now he has he, you know, he has the ability to use Stormlight as well. In addition to like all of the other magics, I mean, uh, Hoyt is still a bit of enigma. We're not even sure what his real purpose is. But every time he's on page, it's fun, and there's a fun story, and someone's going to feel emotionally lifted up. Yeah, that was also just to kind of, I guess, highlight one of my favorite parts of Oathbringer was the analogy of the girl who looked up. People don't give Sanderson a lot of credit for, like, he sometimes he kind of just gets centered on the story and the plot, but this was, like, a time where it really brought you out of the pot and told us a really beautiful story with a lot of meaning that really affected Shalon. And so if you if you have a chance, go back and read that passage. I'm sure that you can find where it is on the internet pretty easily. But that was a highlight of me for me of what Echelon interacting. Yes, I have some of these I have some of this chapter highlighted because it's good stuff. Yeah. Okay. Uh you mentioned Moash and Bridge Four. These are our kind of collection of ancillary heroes to Kaladin, the guys that Kaladin rescued, people like Rock and Lopin and Scar, and Sigzil, and Teft, etc., 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 and of course, Moash, who betrays them all, and has spawned his own fun Reddit sub. <laughs> Bridge 4. So Bridge 4 became, uh, they are in the process of becoming Radiants as well. At the end of Oathbringer, they're all sucking in Stormlight and saving the day. Yeah, so Bridge 4 was was big, and we have Kings, and then slowly kind of died out a little bit. Just to go back to Moash one second, it's important to remember that he killed Jezerin, one of the Yezrin, Yezrin, yeah, like the the king of the Oath Pack, king of the heralds, king of the heralds. Okay, sorry, king of the heralds. He killed him at the very end. I think it might have been an epilogue, actually. I don't know, but he killed him at the very end of Oath. It was not the epilogue. The epilogue is is wit. Is always the wit part. (laughs) But uh, yeah, he he did get this like magical dagger of some sort. Yeah. And uh, now Bad he's been knife. given the t- yeah the patent fan knife <laughs> for uh, for wheel of time fans, <laughs> but he's been given the title of Vire, and he's like the special consort to the fused of uh, it, yeah. We'll see what happens with Moash, but we don't like him. And Moash was an old Parshendi name, I believe. So there's there's correct. like some there's something to Moash that we don't quite yeah. know yet. We'll see if he gets redemption arc or not. My prediction is like the noble death type of thing, you know, the Boromir. I don't know. What do you guys think is going to happen with Mosh? Uh, yeah, it's hard to know. I mean, I think noble death is as good as anything that could happen to him. He's he's pretty far gone. And he's always been kind of a foil to Kaladin. He had a very similar... El- Elokar had uh, had yeah. killed his grandparents who, who were looking after him. And so he kind of made it his life's ambition to kill Elokar just as 
Kaladin had made his life's ambition to get back at Amram for that great atrocity. And so you have Kaladin realizing that there was a higher way or whatever. And whereas Moash did not realize that and kind of fully accepted this dark path that he was going down. So I, I personally think that as much as we're going to get a redemption arc from Moash, he's going to realize that like fused in the Barshendi, I don't want to give too many spoilers or any spoilers really for Rhythm of War, but I think that there he's going to realize that they're as bad as the Lighteyes who'd been fighting against and then like kind of go down a blaze of glory following the same ideals that had led him up to that point. That's kind of my prediction so that he's, okay. he's not really okay. redeemed because he's not doing it out of a goodness of like our main characters, but he's following the same kind of vindictive, uh, vengeful arc mm. he's been on. Some dramatic head nod to Kaladin or something as he goes down in a blaze of glory. Yeah. <laughs> a blaze of infamy, infamy for, for Moash, but yeah, a blaze nonetheless. Yeah. All right. So Venli is our chief Parshendi viewpoint. Her sister died. Um, her sister Eshenai died. Uh, I think she died at the end of, of uh, Words of Radiance and they find her body in Oathbringer. Venli is keeping a spren uh, of her own, the spren that bonded to Eshenai, and then now has joined with her. This will make her eventually a will shaper, is what we understand. But also she's a Parshendi, a listener, right? Or a, a singer. And so this means that she has this, you know, attraction to odium and, and the, the fused and those types of things can, uh, you know, the, the, the void essentially can inhabit her. So she's uh, really kind of at a crossroads here. Interesting character. We don't know a whole lot about what's going to happen here yet. And I, I would assume, you know, from the title and from what we know about Rhythm of War, that Venley's going to play a huge part. Yeah. And it's also important to note that she's the last of her people, right? So I think all the other listeners were either killed in the Everstorm or became fused. Um, well, no. Well, so so there's the there's the singers and then there's the, there's the Parshendi that were out on the Shattered Plains and then there's yes. all the Parshendi that were slaves. And so I think all the Parshendi that were on the Shattered Plains, I think it's hinted that she's the last of them. Okay, yeah. And that, and that yeah, yeah. Okay, so yes. Those are... What you call the listeners, the singers are Sorry, like the race I of yeah. native. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of singers there. And yeah. these ones, these are the guys that can be taken over by fused. And we kind of, they're basically like the orcs, they're the cannon fodder a little bit. But hopefully they're a little bit more than that. And we'll see what happens through Venli's point of view. I assume we're getting uh, flashbacks for her and for Eshenai. And she's also kind of like the the head spokesperson at the end of Oathbringer for the fused, right? She's going throughout the city and yeah. kind of proclaiming their message as kind of like a prophet. And this the last, like she's the only one that can kind of carry the story of what the, the listeners um, accomplished to the common folk. Yeah. Odium directly spares her from being taken over by a fused and says, I want you to go around and be my propaganda machine. Right. Okay. Okay. T uh, Teravangian. So yeah, let's, Let's do one more character here, Teravangian. So we know uh, Teravangian goes smart and dumb alternatively because of the whole thing with the Night Watcher. And he has his own following. They follow this diagram that he drew out when he was super smart. And this is what's going to save the world or so he believes. And he betrayed everyone in Oathbringer by releasing this 
passage of the dawn chant that explained that the humans were actually the void bringers this is what caused the knights radiant of old to break their oaths etc etc and now he's basically sworn himself to odium yeah he was also the one that was a we mentioned this before with seth he was also the one ordering all the assassinations and way of kings and yep. he was also the i don't know chief of so he was in charge of carbranth for a while and now he's taken over Yakovid as well, the entire nation. Okay. But it's important to note also that the that Carbranth was like known for the library, as Stephen mentioned, and also known for a hospital being like a hospital. Uh-huh. And so we also one of the some of the passages of Way of Kings were were death rattles. And those are also associated with an unmade. And so he was kind of trying to study those. Um he was They're... kind of observing people on their last uh, last breaths type thing they're supposed to be prophecies right or hinted at being prophecies yeah there's something there to them and it comes through this influence of the unmade don't remember the name of that one but which it's interesting because according to boranism which is the church or the one of the religions in roshar telling the future is like a big taboo and so you get these death rattles that he's looking into. So there's there's something there that we haven't figured out yet. Yes. Well, and yes. telling the future is of Odium specifically. Like that's what... Right. Which we see from Renarin as well, who's seeing the future. And this is an issue and his friend is corrupted and is literally of uh, of Odium. Okay, so let's swing back around yeah. and talk about the, the history of this whole thing. So we've caught you up with the characters. Uh, we'll kind of go quickly through some of these points, but... Roshar, back in the day, was created by Adonalsium, who was the god that with all the shards, I mean, if you, if you want to go full on Cosmere here, the shards were broken up and honor and cultivation came to Roshar as gods, essentially. Roshar itself is a single huge continent. You've probably seen the map. And the flora and fauna are adapted to the high storms that sweep over the world. We talked about how unique things are there's a few different sapient species there's the singers there's also some guys over in amia which is a whole different thing and after honor and cultivation came to roshar as gods at some point odium arrived and he took up a nearby planet called braze as his residence uh, there were a bunch of humans on another planet called ashen there was some kind of cataclysm humans came to roshar they came to shinovar conflict happened between singers and humans then odium comes in the fuse become a thing then these humans who are you know, tired of fighting all this go to honor, say, hey, let's create this oath pact. We agree to go to damnation when we die. We'll hold the fused at bay. This, this creates this cycle of desolation. Eventually, the Knights Radiant are formed from the powers of the Heralds. And then finally, the Heralds are like, we can't do it anymore. We're going to break the oath pact. We're going to sacrifice our dude Talon. He's going to hold up the whole world. He's basically Atlas. And then finally, honor is killed by Odium. The Knights Radiant break apart. The Warren Church takes takes power, and we go to today. Whew, how was that? Yeah, so I I would like to point out that if only half of that made sense to you, I wouldn't freak out too much, right? Like, there's no there's no reason why you need to understand every part of that, and you're still gonna enjoy the plot a lot. I think there's a good mix of being able to really go deep with the history of Roshar and still and still enjoy it if you don't want to do that. Yeah. Yeah, one one thing about this book, I mean, Sanderson is walking the line between full-on Cosmere and just single book, right, Josh? Yeah, and it's uh, this is hard because uh, my wife 
like as a fan of the series, but it doesn't go super deep into this. And so whenever I try and talk about it, she like has a hard time following. But really what it comes down to is as long as you understand that the heralds were preventing the desolations and preventing the fused, and then they stopped that. Um, they broke their pact and had the one person that had never failed left him there. And then he went insane and came back. And that's what started this last desolation. That's like kind of as deep as you really need to understand. I feel like, yeah. you know, because you, you, you need to understand that I think to, to start moving forward in the series. Yeah. The oath pact is going to be a thing. I think it's going to be really picked up on in this book. Yeah. And then the other thing that we realized was that, humans are not native to roshar that was a big revelation that we've hinted at before but humans came in and invaded um roshar after they destroyed their home planet ashen and their speculation no no yeah through means unknown through means unknown i don't think we want to get into like too many theories here but there's like some pretty predominant theories about how that happened yeah i mean we can talk a little bit about theories because we are doing a hype for the next book <laughs> So I'd say two theories are one, the Dawn Shards, whatever Dawn Shards are are associated with the destruction, or it's just the freaking Dustbringers and their surges of division that broke the whole world apart. Yeah. Okay. And we're also, how confident are we are that they arrived to, so they arrived in Shin, right? We know that they came to Shin, which is why there's like human elements to Shin, like grass and chickens. Yep. But how confident are we that they moved through Shadesmar in order to do that? I know that we've seen other world hoppers that use Shadesmar as a means of traveling between worlds. I mean, how else would they have got there? They don't have a spaceship. Right. Okay, yeah, I'm just saying. So, well, assuming... we don't know if they have a spaceship. They could have a spaceship. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm serious. Okay, like, there, there's there's been hints that well, there's been I think outright confirmed by Brandon that the magic system lashings. No, well, Mistborn, but also that lashings could lead to space travel. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, he, he is going to go space travel by yeah. the end of Mistborn, by the end of the Cosmere. So we okay. don't know if they, okay. they could have lashed the spaceship. Okay, that's fair enough. Um, but we know that there's current world hoppers using Shazmar. So I think that that's a little bit... Yeah, so they either, either got here through space travel via lashings or through the Cosmere. Yeah. And we also know that there's a perpendicularity in Shin, which also makes it very likely that they arrived there. Okay, so let's uh, let's talk a little bit more about the planet, since that's kind of what we're doing here. Yeah. So uh, Roshar, there is a cool interactive map that 17th Shard put together with the blessing from the Dragonstill team, and you should go check that out. It will take you through all the big events and show you where the places are. And one thing about the world is it's really cool and it's really big. But we haven't really explored all that much of it. Like a lot of it we've just seen through small one-off interlude type viewpoints, which is a cool way to do it. But at the same time, there's a lot more to still get into. There's a lot more of the map that we can uh, explore. And it's kind of like the Wheel of Time, you know, where, I mean, no spoilers for the series, but you kind of get more and more of the different nations as you go through the books. And by the end, you're really familiar with everything. And I think that's the same thing Brandon's going for here. Yeah. And something that I've always wanted to say is we will link that in our show notes. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. We're doing it now. Yeah, we're doing it. So look for that in our show notes if you don't want to search it, but it's pretty easy to find. And it really is a cool map. So make sure to take some time to do that. I know it's not only a map, but it'll also give you a history, uh, like a little timeline of, of events. 
So as far as the current status of the world, there are a few different types of nations. And I guess uh, what there's like 26 different countries or so something around there. And the big ones are the Makabaki people and the Voran people. And they have these two different religious systems. There's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of other ones, but these are kind of the two predominantly uh, the two predominant nations that are happening or, or not even nations, but um, the, the groups of nations, the types of nations, the religions in the world. And so on the Voran side, we've got things like Alethkar and Karbranth and Yaakoved. On the Makabaki side, we've got the, the Azish and the Tashik and the Yezers and the, you know, we haven't even seen all these, all these guys hardly at all. And if, if you're trying to picture them, generally like Voran nations, they're tanner skinned with dark hair and Makabaki are darker skinned. And also, sorry, before I move on from the world, something I, I confirmed in my study for this, that Sanderson was trying to go for like a tide pool type situation. Um, so you're yeah. going to see a lot of crustaceans, a lot of rock buds that kind of retreat in. It's just that's what you should envision. Like if a tide pool was a whole world. All, and, and so you got the high storm acting like a wave that comes in and buffers it. And also the, the, the shattered chasms. Planes. So, yeah, the Shattered Plains are a reference to the Slot Canyons in Zion's National Park in Utah. So that's where he said he received inspiration for that. So uh, just to kind of move on from the world, that's what you should be envisioning for it. And sorry, one thing I wanted to say. Uh, so on my reread, I re-listened to it. The first time I, I read the actual book, it is is like, I would say essential to at least look at the artwork that is included in the book. So if you just listen to these, go back and like see if you can find online some of the artwork because like specifically Shalon is has a lot of things in there that she's drawn and it really helps you visu- visualize these things. Yeah. And so I, all, I, all on his website too. Yeah. You can I find re- all that web artwork on BrandonSanderson.com. Yeah. I regretted not doing that because when I was preparing for this, I was like, oh man, I suddenly have a lot better picture of what these things are. So make sure it takes some time to do that. You had never seen the artwork before preparing for this episode? No, I I mean, I had seen the artwork when I was reading it originally, but it was like years ago at this point. You okay, know? So okay. you can't forget what like the official interpretation of, of a shale bark would be. You know what I mean? Like you, these things are very detailed. And so, yeah. and they'll just mention it in the book and, and there's actual drawings of a lot of it. Yep. Yeah, I know. I know uh, going into this series, you know, he had to really sell this to Tor. And obviously, finishing the Wheel of Time obviously you know helped with his reputation clout clout a little bit. And so when he said, "Hey, Tor, let's do this ten book series. Let's make them a thousand pages long each. Let's have artwork in them. You know, let's put all of this other stuff around it." Apparently, they went for it, and I'm sure they're glad that they did. Yeah, and literally, guys, it is just I gained so much more respect preparing for this episode because everything is so detailed. Like for example, sky eagles. Like, apparently, the reason why they can fly is because of the gaseous stuff that they ingest, and it, they store it in, like, these pouches by their, like, by their head. And so, as they, it's, like, lighter than air gas that they have. And there's, like, a symbiotic relationship with Spren that also helps in that. I mean, <laughs> just literally, like, when you're reading, you're like, ah, oh, Sky Eel. Of course, that's a thing. But, like, Sanderson has thought through it. And I don't even know if that's on the page, but it's, like, a reason that said that that happens so it is just crazy like the amount of detail that goes yeah. into these books josh what's your I, favorite uh 
Yeah, well, my favorite and also something I think we do need to bring up because I think it is going to be bigger later on are the Rickshadium. Is that how you said the the horses? Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So there, there's a hint. There's hints that they are not just regular horses, but that they are maybe native to Roshar and have mm-hmm. some sort of special relationship with with people that can bond spren. Well, okay. So so to kind of sorry again, I nerded out like for much yeah. Okay, yeah. Today. Go for it. So <laughs> they are they evolved from horses that were brought over. But they they have evolved in such a way that they ha- have another symbiotic relationship with Spren, and so similar to like how Chasm Fiends um, and uh, it w- will will have a Spren that kind of like lives inside them and help them develop. It's the same type idea for for these horses. So mm. is that right, Stephen? Did I get that right? Yeah, I'll, I'll trust you on this one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so but, but those are always like. Yeah, they're not native, but they've they've uh, evolved in such a way to to combine aspects. Yeah, R.I.P. Sureblood. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's also real quick. Is another thing that I've that you want to start looking for throughout the series is what is native to Roshar and what is not. There's a theory floating out there that uh, rocks people. Like might have some sort of investiture or je- or um, some sort of like maybe gem heart or something like similar to the the horses that they have evolved to be more in sync with the uh, with Roshar. Mm. Yeah, because they can see Spran. Because yeah, they can see Spran and yeah. So it's stuff anyway. like that, you know. So oh, you just accept that because it's been told. Yeah, the horn eaters can see Spran. Well, then it's like why why can they see Spran? There 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 might be something there. And that's where that's a situation where Brandon could pull the rug out on you. And, and we're even not gonna let that happen this time. And even coordinators like eating, you know, like more crustaceous things and like evolving to be different, like having different tastes than like regular humans. I think it's more than just, oh, it's a different cultural thing. It's like their bodies are subsisting more on the land than and like. And we should also note that they live near the Pure Lake. Is that right? Around- the coordinators? Right, they live up on the peaks, man. They live near. Uh, oh, peaks. I think but it's. Uh, is that cultivation's perpendicularity up there? Yeah, yeah, but there's a lake up there. Yeah, what's the name of that lake? That's what it is. I. It's where they say they can see their gods, and it is essentially a passage in and out of the cognitive realm, in and out of Shadesmar. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, again, there's like these reasons why they might have evolved a little bit faster than the rest of. Uh, yeah. And there's some rumblings that stuff is going on at the peaks. We're not sure what this is. Rock says he needs to go back. I think Sanderson's actually said that the next novella is going to be the story of Rock going back to the Horn Eater Peaks. That's confirmed. Yeah, and when you say next novella, the current novella is Don Shard, right? So yeah, so so the four point five book. Yeah, and we should say that Don Shard is not necessary. For like, if you're an audiobook listener and you, like they're not going to release an audiobook for Don Shard for like at least a year, and so don't feel like you have to wait mm-hmm. on uh, Rhythm of War before you read Don Shard. I'll just say though, I've read half of Don Shard and I'm liking a lot of things, and a lot of it's tying over oh, yeah. into the beginning of Rhythm of War. So I, I I recommend reading it, but if you can't, you're okay. Oh no, I for sure agree. Oh, did Edge Chan- Edge Chancer came out. Did it come out before Oathbringer? Yeah, yeah. It came, it, similarly. It came out okay. a few yep. weeks before. 
Yeah, so if you can, for sure, read it. And it's available on Amazon as of today when we're recording. And we'll we'll review that. So I guess if you're really dying to get an audio version, <laughs> you can listen yeah, to our we'll, review and probably be thoroughly confused. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that would be a copyright issue. All right, Ben, what's, what's your favorite uh, flora or fauna of Roshar? Oh, gosh. I, I You know, I, I already profess my love of sky eels. <laughs> yeah, that that's fair. And I think that the other thing that just mesmerized me was Shalon sketching the sandpit. Yeah. Um, it was just basically uh-huh. a jellyfish that has a great shell on it. It's like a combination of a jellyfish and a whale is yeah. what I would say. Okay, my favorite, I'm going to go with Larkins. They are mythical. Some would say people thought they were extinct until uh, Rissen gets one. Is that in O3? No, that's going to be in uh, Words of Radiance where she gets one. And these guys, she calls hers Cheery Cheery. They can ingest Stormlight and they're native to Amia. We haven't even talked about Amia. I did note that it was kind of its whole own thing. And it's really important to Dontrad. I'm not done with Dontrad yet, so I don't know exactly what's going to happen there. Yeah, But I'm really looking forward to it. And, and Larkins are really cool. And Cheery Cheery is a, is a favorite of mine. So I'm going with Larkins. Yeah, and if you if you don't remember anything about Amia, it's the island that the one Soulcaster lady who was kind of dissolving as she used her Soulcaster uh-huh. more, like they were going there and they reached the destination. And then I, I can't remember exactly what that interlude entails. So it, Amia is its own thing. They It's an island on the very western part of the, uh, off the coast of the supercontinent. And back in the day, we're not sure exactly how long ago, there was some kind of desolation of of its own on there. And everything was wiped out. We're not really sure what the current status is. There are two different types of races that are native to Amia, and they're not humans, and they're not singers. And they're called Dicean and Shia Amians. And the Sleepless, or the Diceans, their bodies are... I guess Legion, they can, uh, they're made up of a bunch of different Kremlings across the world. They can communicate uh, amongst their, themselves and they can form up whatever form. So uh, they could be hiding and look like a regular person. And the Shia guys can reform. Yeah, it's a cool idea. The Shia guys can like reform their bodies as well. So it's like this whole other thing that Brandon's like, yeah, yeah, you know, I had this other idea. Let's just kind of throw it in there. We're not really sure what the significance of any of it is yet. Yeah, a good explanation. Uh, but they're they're also like we assume that they're native to Roshar as well. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. I would I would be creeped out if you had chosen them as one of your favorite character or favorite. <laughs> and oh, I should also say not my favorite, but white spines are described as sharks on land. Yeah, the picture makes them look like they're like dinosaur praying mantis type things, almost yeah. like a tiger. And then yeah. axe hounds, you can think of like a dog, only they have like antennas instead of ears, and they yeah. have kind of like a flat tail. So, I don't know, really cool, really imaginative. Like everything that feels like human, like it belongs in our in our world, was brought over by humans. I mean, the moment that that was revealed was just shocking, right? Like, there's a reason why humans are crustacean-like, kind of like the Parsenia. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, it's just so yep. like so many clues and everybody should have seen it coming but nobody did so it was really cool not this time we're gonna get it this time (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, Roshar and Stormlight Archive, it's the best world building I've seen ever in fantasy. Number one. Number one. Especially after reviewing this. I mean, it's just crazy. Should we talk about a whole other aspect of Roshar and of the Cosmere, which is these different realms? We've got the cos- the uh, oh, yeah. physical realm, which is Roshar. We've got the cognitive realm, which is Shadesmar. We've got the spiritual realm, which is a whole other thing that we do not have time to talk about in this episode at all. So Shadesmar, we saw a little bit of in Way of Kings. It was super freaky back then. In Words of Radiance, we got a little bit more. Now an Oathbringer, full-on explanation of Shadesmar. Josh, what are you looking forward to in Shadesmar? So a few things. One, there's a whole different political intrigue between like the Honor Spren and the the rest of pretty much everyone, right? Yeah. The Honor Spread seem to be in charge a little bit and everyone else doesn't like them. Yeah, that's kind of what it seems like to me. There's like debate amongst the Spren whether or not they should be even bonding humans again. The general yeah. consensus is no, because the last time they bonded, they the Oath Pact ended up killing a lot of the Spren. So I'm looking forward to getting to that. And we we know that there's there's a huge conflict between cryptics, right? Specifically, like cryptics right. and honor spread. Yes, and we should also point out that the cover of Rhythm of War, I, I think it's widely accepted that that is depicting a shade as being in Shadesmar. Oh yeah, if it's not Shadesmar, I'll give you a billion dollars. It's for sure Shadesmar. <laughs> that is, I mean, Steven has been known to make guarantees like that, people. So, so so. Uh, I also am just really interested in kind of how Shadesmar works. Um, For example, everything is switched, like the land and the sea are switched. So if there's Mm -hmm. sea in the physical realm, it is now land in in Shadesmar and vice versa. So my question is, too, like what happens if you try and go to outer space in Shadesmar? Is that just like solid? Like what's at the top? yeah is, is this what stops you from leaving the place well i don't well, yeah so like what happens if jasmine goes to outer space and tries to open up like uh you know, oh yeah. yeah yeah like is it just like a solid mass i don't know anyway there's a lot of cool things like that, that like, yeah well then i guess you get into the question of how do you actually go from one planet to the other how, do, how does the world hopping work well the thing, we haven't okay. really seen that so the well thing we have is, we we know well we've seen people that have done it but no, no, we saw it in in uh, Secret History. Not 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 trying to spoil stuff, but we we yeah, directly saw it. Man, S- Secret History's been a little bit for me, so maybe we don't talk through that. But we'll okay. accept that Josh knows right. more about me. <laughs> so more about that, this than I do. I think one thing about Shadesmar is we know that it is influenced by how people perceive the physical realm, right? And so, if people have no perception of outer space, then we could argue that it doesn't have to exist in Shadesmar. Okay, that's a big brain moment for Ben. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah, I, anyway, th- there's just a lot of really cool stuff like that where it is a whole different world that we have yet to be explored, but we trust that Sanderson, well, we've explored it a little bit, but um, I think we're going to be exploring it a lot more in, well, for the and war. Th- yeah, that's also one thing that Oathbringer like, made you realize is that there's like a whole thing going on in, in Shadesmar, right? Like there's yeah. an economy and there's like, ships and there's like just uh-huh and then like things that you see in the real world that you just kind of accept like luxbrand trailing after a, a santhid are are readily perceived in shadesmar so there's lots of uh lots of cool things like that that you can pick up yeah on. 
another thing that we learned a little bit from Shadesmar, I mean, could have picked up on this, is there's different kind of levels of spren. There's the non the uh, non-sentient spren, like luck spren, like wind spren, whatever, that are just kind of like animals almost. And then there's the higher spren that can bond with the knights. And there's, I would assume, 10 different types of those spren. Yeah. I, th- I think we that, that's got to be confirmed. So, yeah, like you say, there's a whole other world. We talked about Roshar being its whole world inside of Shadesmar is another world that we haven't even touched as much as Roshar. Yeah. Okay, so big spren. There, there's a few big spren. Further, I guess, even higher up than the 10 orders that can bond with the knights. We have the Stormfather, who's basically the spren version of Honor, the Shard, that, that powers a lot of the world. And then we have the Night Watcher, who's analogous with Cultivation, another shard. And then Odium, for whatever reason, gets nine of his unmade spren. And we've seen a few of these. Some we haven't seen at all. They've all appeared in different little epigraphs. So things like the Death Rattles, the Thrill, the Midnight Mother, the Chalan Fad, the Corrupted Spren of, of uh, Shaanat, the Revel that we experienced in Kolinar, in Oathbringer, the Blightwind that Amram transformed into before Rock killed him, and and more. There, there's more to see here. The Unmade are pretty creepy and honestly kind of came out of nowhere for me in Oathbringer. I was reading along in Oathbringer. All of a sudden, Shalon was fighting this huge spread thing, and I was like, what is going on here? So I feel like I'm coming into this book a little more prepared for that. Yeah, honestly, they're not my favorite because there's already so many things going on, and it seems like they all have their own like unique set of rules, and they have... Like, yeah, that they affect people, and it's just getting a lot to keep track of, man. Yeah, there's so a lot. Here's the, here's the thing I think that there are some of them, like the thrill, that were like excellently foreshadowed and, and oh. thought through, and then others of them just kind of feel like a boss to fight, you know, like Shalon in the beginning of Oathbringer, yeah, and then even a little bit like when they go to Kolinar and they the rebel, right? The rebel, and even at the ending with Amram. Like all of these, they feel, yeah, just like bosses that you have to level up and defeat and it's a cool scene. But then you get stuff like the thrill, which is like super cool. And you realize that all of this is affecting the, and I think we're going to also get more of that with um, the tower. And I think there's going to be a few more really big moments like that, where we find out that stuff that we've been taking for granted all along is actually due to an unmade kind of like the thrill. and so. I'm looking forward to those type moments and hope that they don't all just be kind of like bosses to fight. Yeah, that's a really good point, Josh. I think there's different levels of payoff. Like you say, the thrill is much more impactful than Shalon's little showdown with Midnight Mother and Yurithiru. Speaking of Yurithiru, what do we think is going to happen there? Are we going to get some resolution to this We've got in this oh, yeah. book? Like, is is the tower going to come alive? I don't know. If I think the tower is go go into my crazy theory. I think the tower is a spaceship. Just saying, <laughs> just freaking saying. Well, what if that? Is, what if your theory is how they kind of transported themselves to graves for the oath pact? Yeah, a freaking spaceship. Ah. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Scientology guarantee. You've heard, heard it's it a ship. <laughs> it's a ship that travels through space. I guess. So okay, it qualifies. <laughs> That would be that would be really interesting. So that's the way that they made it from Brace. Okay. All right. Okay. We're sticking with it. This is probably a theory. I, it's probably I'm, I'm sure it. every everyone's come up with this theory. Well, sorry, 
If there's a theory that you can think of for the series, someone's come up with it by this point. People have spent way too long thinking about these things. Yeah, I, yeah, I just want it to come alive. Def- definitely Reddit, tinfoil theory about Eurythera. It's a spaceship. Yeah, Reddit, Reddit knows all. Well, Reddit, yeah, if you have your uh, your 2020 vision, Reddit knows all. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I agree with you, Stephen. Eurythera is cool, and I think it's going to come alive. And we've just seen so many instances of it would need to in order to make sense. And part of what's going to come alive there is another spren, the third spren that can bond with Bondsmiths. So Storm, the Stormfather, bond with Dalinar. The Night Watcher can also bond with a Radiant, with a Bondsmith Radiant. And then we could have a third Bondsmith Radiant that could bond with a spren that we only know by the name of the Sibling, which is like maybe dead. Maybe Who knows what's going on with it, but it's somehow connected to Eurythiru. I would assume that once we can get this thing back online and make a bond with it, then we have a magic tower once again. But uh, this is pretty vague still. Yeah. Okay. Your theory check. Uh, oh, we should, you know what? It's just in your preparation to read this. Your theory is kind of a central hub for Oath Gates. And Oath Gates were kind of like the big unlock of Oathbringer where they could transport themselves across the continent. And it would require a lot of stormlight, but they could do it. And they were kind of going around mm-hmm. trying to unlock the other Oath Gates and, uh, you know, Jokoved. Wait, was there one in Jokoved? I don't know. Maybe there was. Yeah. I think uh, there's 10 of them. They're all kind of like spread out across the world. But there's yeah. one in Kolinar that was being guarded by uh, the Revel Spren. Uh-huh. Uh, so anyway, that was uh-huh. a big plot point of Oathbringer that you should be aware of coming into uh, Rhythm of War. I cannot tell you where all the Oath Gates are, but I can confirm that they are important. And uh, it's basically like traveling from Wheel of Time lets us <laughs> now unlock the world much more. It's a nice yeah. way to do that. Okay, a uh, little bit about Fused. Fused are uh, like the smaller versions of Unmade. Almost we have nine orders of these guys. They're Cognitive Shadows, which is a nerd way of saying that they're going to come back after you kill them. And uh, we haven't seen all the different orders. We've seen some, uh, to some extent, they kind of impersonate the Knight's Radiance and have similar powers. There's some speculation like Thunderclass might be fused. I think that has been put to bed, although we still could have theories there. So uh, fused, to be honest, a little confusing to me still. Looking forward to finding out more of them in Rhythm of War. And we will, right? I mean, it's going to focus on the Parshendi and this whole side of the conflict. Yeah, fused. Yeah, I mean... They are definitely the ones that are right driving the the conflict right now. So you should be super aware that they are the big bad that we are fighting against right now. And when I say we, I mean Dalinar and the coalition that he's putting putting together. Uh, there's a lot of people that don't know what to think. A lot of people are finding out for the first time that humans are actually the yeah. invaders. And so we as readers are kind of left clueless as to whose side we should be on. And we should note that this uh, uh, Skywards. Skybreakers. 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 Yeah. Skyward is a different sanction, but <laughs> Skybreakers have sided with the Fused. So it's not even like the Knights Radiant. You can count on them to to take the human side here. Yeah. Yeah. Skyward does have spaceships. Can confirm. Oh, yeah. That was actually one of our first episodes that we reviewed. Yeah. Full circle. Yeah. Back in the day. 
Yeah, that's a good point that you bring up because it's not just like good guys versus bad guys. We've got a, several different ways to look at this conflict. And I'm assuming if we get Venley's perspective in this one, we're going to see a whole additional way to view the conflict. And maybe the Knights Radiance are, you know, maybe not the good guys. And we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, I don't ever see myself turning against Dalinar and Kaladin and team. But uh, we'll it's see. Al- it's also hard when the god honor is on your side <laughs> to think that maybe you're in the yeah. wrong. But, I mean, yeah. you know. All right, let's skip over. We were going to talk about world toppers and Fabrials. We'll skip over those. Uh, TL... TLDR. T- <laughs> For Reddit. TLDR on that is there are people that can move from planet to planet, and that's important if you like the Cosmere. And the Fabrials are the way that technology advances through magic, which is really cool that we've got magic that's such a part of the world that now we're using it in new ways. And that's like the technology of the world. Well, and, and real quick, I, th- I think it's important to talk about Zahel, um, who is a world hopper, who is the creator of Nightblood, the sword that Seth has. And then Azure is trying to find Zahel. And they're both Is it Zahel? Or, or Zile or Zale, something like that? I've always yeah. said Zahel. I don't know. All anyway. Right. There, so she's trying. Azor is trying to find him. He's the creator of Nightblood. He has uh, cool magic, and then, so that that is some needed background, I think, for the book. And honestly, guys, if there's one book that you should read that's outside of the Cosmere to understand Rhythm of War a little bit better, it is going to be Warbreaker, right? So no, not well in, in the Cosmere, but outside of the Stormlight Archive. Sorry, outside the Stormlight Archive in the Cosmere. You should be reading Warbreaker if you want to have a good understanding of these two world hoppers. So far, man, but I'm I think my phantology guarantee for Rhythm of War is it's gonna be required to read Mistborn, I think, after yeah. this one. Well it already yeah, the epigraphs, not to give anything away, but the epigraphs are exactly related to Mistborn. Well, you know what you could do? You could just read the first Mistborn book and and have a pretty good understanding of of what yeah, yeah. Metals do. We'll we'll see. There's some. Uh, we don't want to spoil anything from the pre-release, but there's some crackpot theories out there involving some characters from Mistborn. So uh, we'll see if those come into play. I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, uh, yeah. To be fair, I did just get my brother-in-law to like read Mistborn in the last two weeks because I'm like, dude, you got to read it for Rhythm of War. So okay, fair enough. But still, we know that Warbreaker is going to have a big tie-in because we have two semi-tertiary characters that that are directly plucked from. Yep. Warbreaker. Yep. Yeah. And, and they're using their, their magic system. I think it was originally written as a prologue to uh, the Stormlight Archive. That's how he originally can mm. like thought of it in his mind. So really, okay. It's, it's Did important. not know that. Yeah. It's okay. also available okay. for free online. No like, excuse not, not to read Warbreaker. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> not even pirated. All right. Uh, let's close this by talking about the magic. So. Uh, we haven't. I mean, we haven't even talked about that. Imagine going through a fantasy book and not even talking about the magic until the very end. So the Knights Radiant are the magic guys, and they can form a bond with the Spren and say oaths, and then this is going to let them do magic. And the Spren take the form of shard blades. That was a big reveal in Words of Radiance. Eventually, we're assuming there are more Sprens, like Cousin Spren, that let you form the plate. That hasn't really happened yet. There's 10 different orders. They all share the same ideal, which I might have said before in front of the mirror, hoping that I started glowing. That hasn't happened for me quite yet. <laughs> and we should say, just let's say the first ideal. It's life before death, Josh. <laughs> Strength before weakness. 
Journey Before Destination, which is the hardest one for me. I really struggle with that one, man. But that, that that that's a life thing for me. And so that's the same. That well, that's and that's for all the orders. They all have that same first ideal, and yes. the other ideals are not the same for each order. And and they all function by drawing in stormlight, which is just kind of this ethereal force that gets replenished either from a high storm or from mm. Dalinar's perpendicularity. Yeah, high st- high storm or Dalinar. <laughs> Those are two axes. Yeah, either one works. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So uh, let, let's talk a little bit. We don't want to spend a ton of time here, but let's talk about some of the orders. So the wind runners, they can fly. They can use uh, what we call adhesion and gravitation. So they can fly and they can stick things and they can suck things to them. Basically manipulation of gravity in any way possible. We've seen the most of these guys because Kaladin was the first book and he was really the first night. Re- well, not quite because Yasna, but we, we might have to do a timeline to figure out who the first modern night radiant actually was. Kaladin was the first one we were introduced to. And so Windrunners and Bridge 4 have a special place in our hearts, obviously. Yeah, and sorry, we should say that they also need to bond to Spren. Spren, in this case, for Kaladin is Sil, who is a fan favorite. Yep. Yeah. We got we got Skybreakers, who also share gravitation with Windrunners, so they can also kind of fly, and then they also have Division. Which we haven't seen yet, but Zeth apparently will be schooled in Division soon by Nail. Yeah, right. And then we have Dustbringers who we, I don't think we've met a Dustbringer yet. Oh, yes, we have. There's a Dustbringer that um, has been introduced to Yuthiro through uh, King Teravangian, but we don't know. I don't think we've actually seen her use her powers. We've seen one thing where she like burns something into a desk, but uh, no wide scale destruction that we assume. I mean, Dustbringer, you assume they're going to be able to uh, break things down a bit. And like I said, the theory was that these guys might have destroyed Ashen, the original human planet. And Deathbringers, they seem like trouble. Yeah. Yep. We got uh, Steven's favorite order next, or favorite character, yeah. Edge Dancer. <laughs> we got Lyft, um, who Steven loves so much. And they have abrasion and progression. So basically, Lyft can slide around on the floor and eat food. Yeah, well, that's well, that's actually really important to note about Lyft is she, uh, I think, was actually given this ability through the uh, Night Watcher, right? And yeah, uh, I don't know if that I don't know if she was bonded to Sprint originally, but she doesn't need Stormlight; she can eat food, which is different. It's unique um, to this point. Yes, it is. So and Lyft. So really- in, adi- in addition to being slippery, she can also heal people. Progression. Yeah. Okay. And right. Right. She healed the leader of. Oh, what's the nation state? Of Azir. Of Azir. Of yep. Azir. Yeah. Yana Guanaguan, whatever his name is. Yeah. Uh, she healed him. And, yeah. and that nation, because we didn't talk about it, they're like super focused on regulations and, and rules, if you if you remember that. Yeah, they're, they're kind of fun. That, that's some of the corny humor that I actually do like. Uh, Mike from Mike's Book Reviews, if you're listening, your opinion about Lyft being annoying and overrated is not wrong. It <laughs> is shared by me. <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah not, not a huge lift fan okay and she also likes downloads but so yeah gosh enough of that truth watchers <laughs> truth watchers renarin is one of them they can see the future and heal right is kind of their well renarin can see the future you're not supposed to oh, see sorry. the future yeah but yeah, they have right. this illumination thing which we're not really sure exactly what he can do with that quite yet yeah well i'm sure we'll see more 
Then after that, Lightweaver, Shallan, we've seen quite a lot of this. She can create disguises and uh, and all sorts of things and, and uh, heal herself as everyone else can already. She can also reach into, uh, she can kind of reach into Shadesmar. She can transform things and she reached into Shadesmar to do that once. I think she's still kind of learning that one a little bit. Yeah. Okay, Elves Caller, this is J- Yasna, right? Yeah, this is Overpowered Yasna. Yeah, and honestly, this if there's any like ability that's really hard to for me to kind of picture in my mind's eye, it's this one. We know that she can manipulate Shadesmar. That's like all I really know. And she can and, But I mean, at the end of Oathbringer, she was like turning things into different substances at will and creating steps out of thin air and right. turning people into crystal and just... It's pretty cool. Elskaller's are awesome. Elskaller, also fun trivia about ontology. Elskaller was my order of choice from the official Knights Radiant quiz. So uh, if you want to be cool, be an Elskaller. Very nice, very nice. Okay. Will Shapers, I, I know next to nothing about these guys. Yeah, we, we really do know next to nothing. We know Ven- Venley is going to be one of them. Okay. Yeah, I'm trying to read about them. And I'm not... Yeah. I'm not reading a whole lot. Just Fenley will become one. Yeah, I don't think we've seen much of him in action. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess we can pretty confidently guarantee we're going to learn more about Will Shapers when this is Venley's book. Yeah. Yep. Okay, Stoneward. Again, do we know anything here? No. We've seen a Stoneward in action once through one of Dalinar's visions back to uh, one of the fights with the old Knight's Radiant. He was like making handholds out of the cliff. That's about it. But don't they sound cool? I'm excited to learn more about him. And then Bondsmith. So this is Dalinar, right? In my opinion, there should only be one Bondsmith. I know I'm probably wrong on that, but what, I mean, what's, no, what's your thoughts there? There's well, you three. are wrong. There could be three. There are three. <laughs> well, there, there will be three. Well, there could be three. I think it's said in previous runs before Desolations, there haven't always been three. I think the Heralds. That is a fantastic guarantee. This is the guarantee? All right. So do you want to try to be though? Do you think that Teravangian could be one? Ooh. Ooh, I like that. Okay. There we go. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know who who they're going to be. There's There's got to be one other person lurking in there. Moash becomes a bondsmith. Oh, <laughs> nope. nope, nope, nope. That That's would piss off Stonewood the fandom. Note. Yeah, there can be three. We kind of talked about that already. Yeah. One thing I will say, and this kind of relates to the artwork, there's a like really cool Venn diagram that kind of shows how all of these relate to each other and how they're interconnected. And so, look that up before you read. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. There's ten different surges, which are different ways to use the magic. And each of the orders has access to two of them. And in addition, just having those two means that the order themselves can do things in special ways. They combine these powers together. So real quickly, as we close, we can talk about the Heralds. We already talked about these guys. uh, They were the humans who formed the Oath Pact. We've seen some of them. Some of them we haven't seen. Uh, We have like Yezrin, who was the king of everything. Uh, He was killed by Moash and his magic knife. Uh, Nail, we mentioned him. He's the patron of the Skybreakers. He's actually joined his own order. And we have Ash and Talon. We're kind of still around. They're both insane, but they're helping out our, our typical 
Radiance, I mean, do you guys think we're going to get any useful information out of these guys? I think that there's going to be some type of healing that can take place for their minds. You know, maybe I think that mm. there's going to be something. We've got to we've got to fix them a little bit. And then finally, we have Ishar, who was the patron of the Bondsmiths and created the Oath Pact. And he is also still around. He is this god priest dude hanging out in a place called Tukar, which is south of Yurithiru. He's been mentioned enough to the point where I think it's going to be a thing in Rhythm of War. No idea what's going to happen, though. I mean, could he be one of the three Bondsmiths? We know he is a Bondsmith. Has he ever not been a Bondsmith? You can join your own order. You you can join your own order. Nail has done it. Could be, yeah. Okay, there you go. Pentology guarantee it's going to be Dalinar and Teravangian and (laughs) and Ishar. And Moash. And Moash. (laughs) Moash, okay. (laughs) All right, so let's close this. We always do this segment called Worst of the Best. We're going to put a little twist on that this time. So let's talk about one thing we're looking forward to happening. Could be a guarantee. Could just be something you want to know more about. What are we looking forward to in Rhythm of War? And then what do we not care about? What are we? What is something Brandon stuck on that we're like, dude, enough. We don't care about this plot point. So if you're listening to the podcast, Kate Redding and Michael Kramer are going to read in the segment now. The worst of the best. With so many exemplary moments in this book, it's almost unfair to nitpick. But that's the segment. It's the pimple on the princess, the stain on the satin, and the terror before the triumph. The unfortunate portion of an otherwise stellar performance. Someone has to point it out. Okay, Ben, what do you look forward to and what do you not care about? Okay, I look forward to... I'm going to say what I don't care about. I think we've already talked about the unmade. I'm very ambivalent about that. I also don't care super about Shalon Shalon and Adolin's relationship. Ooh, hot take. Okay. Hot take. So... I do. I the thing I'm most looking forward to is seeing Kaladin square that fourth ideal. Mm. Okay, Josh. So what do you? The thing I don't care as much about that everybody else does. I feel like it's Yasna as a character. Ooh, that's an extremely <laughs> hot take. Dang, that is ice that's cold. Ex- this yeah. is ice cold. <laughs> so I don't know. I feel like I feel like she was gone for most of her words of radiance, right? Yeah. And so after that, that just kind of killed the momentum of her character for me. And then she, as a, as a Shallan lover, I'm just like, just get, I just get annoyed on behalf of Shallan. Um, for Yasna, I was like trying to treat her like a child. Mm, So there's that. And and Brandon has said that she's going to be like the main protagonist of the second set of five books. Oh, really? So the main out of all. I think. I mean, so, I know yeah. she's gonna she's gonna be one in the. He, he said it in the recent post about um, yeah. her sexuality. Um, that okay. was mentioned. Okay. So there's that, and I know I'm gonna get roasted for that take, but it's true. What I'm most looking forward to is probably generally the Sanderlanch, uh, just the ending of the book. I always just get so hyped, like every time I feel it coming, I feel like my yeah. hands kind of like start getting, you know, like shaky and ready to go the ground starts shaking and yeah yeah. and i i have to like actually make sure i like have you know either it's at night so i can just like read until i'm done or i just need like some time to myself to be able to just read for a few (laughs) hours until i finish it 
Um, uh-huh. So that's general. I think more specifically, I'm really looking forward to exploring more of like different aspects of the world that we haven't seen, like Shadesmar or like the Barshendi culture. I'm looking forward to that. All right, let me just feed right off of that. The thing that I don't care about is the Parshendi. (laughs) Yeah, blaring alarm signals. This book is supposed to be all about the Parshendi. I I don't really care about the Parshendi. They seem so alien to me, and I just can't get into their headspace quite as much. This is my main concern for Rhythm of War, is that there's too much Parshendi. And it's not able to convince me to change my mind. I could change my mind. I could care about them. I hope I do by the end of the book. Because if I don't, maybe that means I didn't like the book. Ugh, gosh. <laughs> so so that's my thing that I'm, I'm worried about. What am I looking forward to? I already mentioned this. Your theory has got to come alive for me. If it doesn't come alive, it's going to be like a full point knockdown on my rating of this book. Because I just, I need it at this point. I, I need to know what's going on in this tower. I need to see the technology come on. I need to get questions answered. Let's go. Let's go year through. Does it need to come alive in this book? Or does it just need to come alive yes. before? It? Okay. No, in this book. In, in this, this book. book, it does. Okay. Uh-huh. And who do you think is going to discover the secret of it? Do you think it's going to be Shalon? Or Yasna? No. No, it's going to be Navani. Navani. Okay, 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 okay. It's going to be Navani or like Venli somehow. All right. So the only thing that can, the only thing that can make Stephen care about the Parshendi is Venli figuring out the secret of the tower. Yeah, Venley turning the tower into a spaceship, yes. <laughs> you heard it here. All right. Okay, thanks for sticking with us through the, yeah. through this. Hopefully you're hyped. And if you have more questions, we do know a little bit about this series. So uh, join our Discord, please. And there's a channel dedicated to Rhythm of War. We'll be doing a read-along. There won't be spoilers there. All behind spoiler tags. So join our Discord and join the conversation. And we would love to help more people understand what's going on. So please hit us up there. Having said that, we're not like 17th Shard or Coppermind. Like we're fans of the series, but we're not like mega, mega ultra fans. Yeah. Yep. If you have like super, super in-depth questions more than what we've gone into here, jump on and we can talk about it. But like there, there might be other forums that can help you. Yeah. Yeah, Very possible that we just send you over to Coppermind, but yeah. (laughs) It's a great resource. <laughs> it is a great resource. All right. Thanks for listening. We're a week away on recording. We're recording on Tuesday the 10th. Book is coming out in one week. Couldn't be more hyped. I did my last recap of the pre-release chapters earlier today. And I'm just so hyped. It's been three years of waiting for this one. And I'm sure it's going to be good. If the book like, if the book was objectively bad, I would still love it at this point. <laughs> totally biased. So, so uh, yes. Yes. Very excited. I mean, is there anything you guys are more excited for before the end of the year? Like Christmas, maybe? What? No, I mean, I don't know, man. I, I'm very excited about this. I, I'm definitely more excited about this than any like single thing I'm planning on like getting or receiving or anything like that. Look at this. Yeah. This is Sanderson's redeeming 2020. This is this is him saying that I can make anything better. So, I mean, I'm I'm really hoping that I just really get to enjoy this. We should mention the way that we're going to review it is probably after each part of the book, we're going to try and do an episode. You know, we're not big enough to get pre-release knowledge or anything. We, we, none of us. Have yeah. We don't have an arc. 
No yeah. arc. Maybe maybe for Brick 5, we'll have the uh, arc. Yeah. But we're not going to ruin the experience for ourselves by loading up on Red Bull and, and reading the whole thing in one sitting. So just expect every part I think we're, we're going to review. And we should get that out, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. We'll give ourselves, you know, two, three, four weeks to get through it. Enjoy it. Yeah. Nice. All right. Thanks, guys. Fantastic yep, thanks, recap. Steven. Could not have been better. We covered <laughs> all the details one, with 100% accuracy. <laughs> no, no crackpot theories at all. Zero. All right. See you later. All right. Thanks, guys.